welcome everybody to the Q2Q podcast. If you don't know us by now, my name is Becca and I'm joined this week by the lovely and talented Shay Willard because Ben has to take care of his mom in the lovely Hello. snowstorm. Welcome, Shay. That's right. Ben is a great son. Ben loves his mother and I'm happy to be filling his very capable shoes today. <laughs> that didn't sound like sarcasm at all. <laughs> Ben's great. I, I feel I feel like I am I am a a sad replacement for Ben, but uh, I'm happy to be here. I always like having you on, but it, is, it does feel a little off when Ben's not here. <laughs> uh, anyway, not that he says a lot of things when when he's here anyway with you, but oh, oh well. Sorry, Ben. I do talk a lot. Um, I'm just really passionate about theme parks. Yes. Uh, so. For listeners at home, the timeline of today uh, is, it is Monday. So if you listened to last week's episode, you know we recorded on Sunday. And then today would be immediately the next day. So there's not too much news to talk about. um, But there will be a little bit that I missed yesterday because it was a sleepy day. But before we get into that, Shay, how was your your week? Oh, it's been good. Um, We had a, a fun thing at work day. Um, I've been working on these uh, a, a series of videos that are really specific um, uh, documentaries about individual staff members at Animax. And my whole, my whole goal with these videos is to not do a typical fluff piece where I'm not just asking like, why is it great to work at Animax? Why does Animax have great work? It's like, why do you do what you do? Why do you love it so much? What is your philosophy? What is it that brings you? What is it that gets you up every morning? Um, and so I've made, I've made four of these so far. Well, sorry. And then, then I, I, I pair the, the interview with these people with uh, images that I collect of them and their coworkers doing whatever their job is. But the, the video, my goal with this video is I want to provide images to the people watching the video that you wouldn't get just by walking in the door. Like this is something that you would not see, you could not see with your with just the regular human eye, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's that's been really successful around the office. People really love the, the videos. I made four of them so far, and we are we premiered the first one today um, on our website and on our social media. So that's a big cool thing. I think and, I uh, saw really it so far. So that was great. Yeah. I didn't, well, I don't think I watched it, but I don't think I, I think I definitely saw that it was up. I just didn't have time to do it, but. That's fine. The little commitment is like four minutes. So we'll take a look and learn more about my people. Your people. And how are you? How's um, your week been? Well, in the 24 hours since I talked to Ben, um, I got a little bit closer to debuting our merch which is always good um and friendly reminder because it's been a week that we have a new video up with our new series roadside road trip where we go to new hampshire motor speedway gift of lights and hopefully we'll have another episode of another show coming up later this week hopefully (laughs) so we're getting there we're getting content we're doing great uh are you drinking anything this week shay i am uh your eager and amazing listeners will remember that uh, my roommate just gave me all of his beer. 
but I don't drink that much. So I am still working through my roommate's beer collection. And today I'm drinking Independence Harbor Amber Ale, which is ale with honey added. Very good. Ooh. I think my favorite is beers that he gave me. So yeah. Um, this is a shout out to those people who like wine, but don't have a lot of money. Cause I'm drinking uh, Gallo Family Vineyards <laughs> Uh, pink Moscato, which is delicious, but it just also happens yeah, to be two for ten at Market Basket. So <laughs> it's it's good. That's the best kind of wine. It's yeah. it's not and good. Like as long as it's good and tasty, it doesn't matter how much it costs, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Okay, so just on on cheap wine, are you familiar with? the incredibly expensive wine that is available on the Disney cruise, specifically at the restaurant that's called Remy? I don't think so. I had so, I went on a Disney cruise when I was like 14, 15, so. Okay. So I, I don't remember which which ships Remy is on, but that one of their really nice restaurants is a restaurant called Remy, which is um, inspired by the movie Ratatouille. And uh, one of the bottles of wine that you can get for your dinner is a bottle of 1945 Chateau Gilead. I don't remember the exact, but it's, it's the bottle of wine that Anton Ego orders for his meal. Um, and three years ago, it was a $2,500 bottle of wine. Lord knows what it will be when the ships reopen, but yeah, three years ago it was a lot more money than I'll ever want to spend on wine, even for the bragging rights. But there's your fun fact of the day. Shay, maybe QDQ will get so big that we will just have so many Patreon followers and we'll get you that bottle of wine. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that so much. I did I did have a I did go to Remy to the restaurant Remy when we went on our Disney group a couple of years ago. Um, delicious, amazing meal great service it was like one of those places where they would serve you all of your food at the same time there were four of us they would serve your plate with a little um, cover over the plate and then the waiters would stand around you and remove the covers at the same time it was it was a choreographed service oh my gosh it was amazing i really liked the fact that the disney cruise line tries to give you the same wait staff every for your whole your whole cruise I think that's so great because at the end the like we went and it was an eight night cruise it was a long Bahamian cruise from New York yeah it was it was my sister's graduation present we went on an eight night cruise from New York to the Bahamas which was incredible because that was I think there was three full days at sea on that on that cruise there might have been four it was crazy um we had that included like a day at the park too like it was great, but um, that was the cool thing about the waiters because like the wait staff, you just got to know them and like you could ask them questions and like a lot of times they're not from the US so you get to know them for like and you can ask them yeah. how they how they got to be where they are. I don't know. I loved it. I would recommend it over many vacations that I've ever been on. I mean, I've never been on another cruise so I can't really compare <laughs> it, but it was definitely special. Um, so shall we get into the last of the news that I forgot about? Yes, yes, we should. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, 
What? So all the animatronics in the park are dying. Yeah, every single one of them at the exact same time. Uh, so there, it started with, <laughs> was it Donald from the Three Caballeros? Donald. Yeah, so Don, yeah. Donald from the, the Three Caballeros, what is it? Grand Fiesta Tour? Um, yep. He fell over just like Jose did earlier this year, right? Yep. And I think now that there's two out of three of them that failed, Disney was like, mm, <laughs> we should do something else. And so they <laughs> removed all three animatronics, despite the fact that I'm fairly certain there's a screen behind them. Is that a thing? Yep. They removed all yeah. three of them and put like flats there <laughs> of the characters. <laughs> Like, yeah, because before the animatronics, the animatronics premiered in like 15 or 16. Before the animatronics, there was a movie that played. It was like a 20 second loop or something of of the three caballeros doing their song. And I I sadly never got to see backstage of three caballeros, but I have to imagine that they probably pulled the projector because they're like, we're not gonna need this anymore. Let's move it somewhere else or use it for parts or whatever, because yeah, you'd think it would be a much simpler and much better <laughs> replacement to just turn the old system back on, but th there must have been something. Yeah, probably. And it's just like you, it must have been something more than that. Like, because it is so easy to install a projector overnight. Like, it's not difficult. So it had to have been like, there had to have been something like, like a single point of failure oh, yeah. that was throwing them off entirely of like, there's no way we can. Power was out on something. Yeah. I wonder. Oh, maybe. I didn't even think of that, but yeah, the, the cutouts or the, the flats are horrible. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're not even like, worthy. No, like it, I, I'm trying to think of some sort of comparison to make like, you know, some of the old dark rides, which were just flats, but like the flats still moved a little bit. They swing back and forth, they move back and forth, or at least your car would move past the flat quickly. But at this point, it's just like a slow moving boat looking at three completely static flats. Guys, guys. I, I don't even know, like, I can't even pinpoint where, if any park that I go to on the regular still has flats as like a mechanic <laughs> to tell a story <laughs> because I feel like animatronic yeah. technology is so easy now that it's like even if they're bad animatronics you go with animatronics yeah I mean Disneyland Pinocchio still has a ton of flats in it Mr. Toad's Wild Ride still has a ton of flats, but again, they do something. They move. <laughs> That's true. I did forget um, about Disneyland yeah. and its nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> its refusal to be um, anything different. <laughs> well, like, what's, what's interesting is that Alice in Wonderland had a bunch of flats and still does have a bunch of flats, but they've augmented a ton of them with these amazing projection effects. So they mm. look like they've become even more dimensional now. So why can't we just projection map the three caballero flats? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, I saw uh, I saw someone sitting there being like, "Listen, man, we all know it's coming at some point. Just announce a Coco ride and pull it." 
<laughs> just put it out <laughs> of its misery. <laughs> Cause like, yeah. I, I do like the grand fiesta tour because it, it it's a cute little celebration of Mexico, but like, yeah, I've seen so many people who have been like, Coco was an amazing celebration of Mexican heritage. It is an accurate, it's not shoehorning. It is an accurate ride to put into that pavilion. So like, it's crazy to me that it hasn't been even teased, you know? I don't know. Rumors. I mean, I think it, yeah, I I don't know. I think, I, I, I hate to say it, but I feel like, it's, it's just another example of why would they tear out a ride or, or why would they replace a ride, which still, it doesn't have a problem with ridership. People still ride that. There's, you, you never, you'll, unless it's like late at night or early in the morning, you'll never walk onto that ride. There will be somebody in line in front of you. Um, and especially thanks to the pandemic with money as tight as it is like why would they replace it if it's already good enough um and i think the only reason that we saw frozen go in was because frozen was so popular i mean frozen was just a massive hit coco was a hit in other cultures i don't i'm actually i'm curious how it went over in brazil given how big the brazilian community is yeah that's a good question um i love that you were talking about uh why would you replace a really popular ride and stuff because last week we discussed journey into imagination which was a very popular ride (laughs) Uh, i mean what conclusion did you come to because i i don't know the actual reason but i had my theory it was it was money they needed to switch out that that giant rotating lazy susan with four different animatronics on it they got rid of the lazy Susan. They got rid of the four animatronics. That's a ton of money that they're saving every year without having to keep that thing up. So the conclusion that it came to be was um, their, um, what's it called? Kodak was its sponsor, right? And mm-hmm. um, they needed money, but uh, when they were trying to do a refurb of fake man kodak was refusing to go digital which is where the industry was heading so kodak didn't have a lot of money um and instead of just painting it and i don't know updating the lights because it was just very dark um they were like let's shorten it and then also do a entirely different storyline and the storyline sucked and then i wanted to add this later but then they came up with that sucky storyline people were like fuck you this sucks even worse. And then they were like, let's add it. We'll fix the little guy. He's back. And that's it. It's a Band-Aid. Here you go. The cool guy's not here, but the little guy, he's around. (laughs) And that's the summary of Journey into Imagination. In case you missed last week's episode. So that that means Journey into, into Your Imagination has actually been live longer than the original journey to imagination yep the original journey 
Yeah. It's just a damn shame. Well, it was such bad. a good ride. <laughs> I never even got to ride it. It was such a good ride. It, it genuinely, yeah, like, genuinely made me so upset reading it. It, oh. anyway, we'll get there. Um, other animatronics that died this week. The shaman was sad. <laughs> um, yep, gave up, slumped over. Anya, hey, anya, wah. Anya, wah, anya, wah, anya, wah. And nobody, at least from what I saw on Twitter, nobody reported it being in B mode. So I wonder how long she was chilling in C mode for a while. And I, C mode, I mean dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's, I don't, I don't know, because one would think that someone, actually, I don't know where the cameras are in that room. I know that there is no, probably shouldn't tell you that. Um, there are no cameras in that room. I know that for a fact. That's probably okay to say. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. And it makes me wonder if maybe it's just staffing and budget cuts. If like, they just, they're just like, keep it going. Keep it going. Whatever. Keep probably. A unique experience, right? Right. Yeah. It's Take a, it it's a hey. people eater. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Anything else? So, fun? so the whole the whole reason we bring up all of these animatronics, my my dear listeners, my <laughs> fans, is because to all you Shay stands out there, I am here. <laughs> I am here to defend to the death Walt Disney World's. Trader Sam animatronics because you know what? You know what? The three caballeros, they they gone. The shaman, she asleep. But you know who's going strong? Trader Sam. You know why? Because Trader Sam's got a will to live. Because they may have announced a week and a half ago that they are going to rewrite the Jungle Cruise, but they have not confirmed what's going away and what's staying. They said that they're going to add a few things, they're going to rework a couple things, but no one has mentioned Trader Sam. Now, let me say this. Disneyland Trader Sam needs to go the hell away, okay? That guy is racist AF, okay? That guy has no place in a theme park in 2021. But Disney World Trader Sam, I think he's fine. He is, he, he's white. I, I hate to say, that's what it comes down to. He's white. He's a fat white guy. And he's just sort of vaguely dressed up as what we associate could they probably change some of his costume? Yes, I'd be fine with that. But keeping the character of Trader Sam as a fat white cannibal, yes, keep him. Trader Sam in Disneyland, goodbye. I don't intend to see you survive this. But Trader Sam, or maybe they replace him with a white animatronic like they have in Disney World, which frankly they should have done years ago. Um, so today in our Ten Commandments, we're going to be talking all about Ounce of treatment, ton of fun. And if there's anybody out there who's a ton of fun, it's Trader Sam. Sam <laughs> I'm just I'm just laying out my thesis for the day because because Becca's gonna want to talk about like the future of tomorrow land and the, the, the house of the future, and she's gonna want to talk about 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 small world. And you know what? Small world is a great ride, but it would be ten times better if every single one of those dolls was just a very small fat white guy. Okay, that's what would make it better. That's a lie. That's a lie. That would also be racist. That would be very culturally insensitive. Okay? <laughs> but 
what if, small what if white had guy. A, a little Trader Sam. Actually, the more I think about it, no, we, we definitely don't want Trader Sam in Small World, but we'll we'll, we'll get there. No, that, that would go over very poorly, but uh, worth it for the joke. Uh, anyway. Hey everyone, I just wanted to tell you about our new partnership with Scribble Script Studio. Scribble Script is an independently owned small business specializing in custom lettering designs. The artist behind it, Emma, is located in the Orlando area and frequently she can be found visiting the parks for inspiration. Some of my favorite stickers are her Happily Ever After Dumbo sticker and her Tower of Terror suitcase. So check her out on Instagram. Make sure you let her know that Q2Q sent you. And if you're looking for some fun stickers to put on your laptop or your favorite water bottle, make sure you check out her Etsy shop at Scribble Script Studio and use the code Q spelled just like the podcast at checkout for 15% off your order today. That's code Q Q U E U E spelled just like the podcast for 15% off your order at Scribble Script Studios. Like Shay mentioned, this week we're talking about commandment number nine, which you probably figured out if you've been here for every episode of Shay. Um, we are on the ninth commandment. Again, we keep talking about how we have no idea what we're going to do when we're done commandments, but don't worry, Shay won't go away. <laughs> he is a, a crutch of our podcast. Oh, But commandment number nine is for every ounce of treatment, pro- provide a ton of treat which I think is kind of how I should live my life. <laughs> For every bad thing, just give me a lot of good things. Easy peasy. <laughs> um, and for for commandment number nine, it can be very, sum- like it can be easily summarized to the, the line in Mary Poppins of a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Of like, if there's a little bit of, of um, like for example, if you use the Epcot model, the edutainment thing, as much as you're teaching me that, I also need to be having a good time. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, brings an idea of one attraction at Epcot that I think doesn't do this command very well. Um, I love it, but I don't think it does it. Um, and then, oh. <laughs> yeah. But that's essentially it. Oh, I forgot to summarize 10 commandments. If you're new to this series, which if you're new to this series, go back and listen to all the other ones. They're really great. We talk about a lot of things. Usually we, we mention the tower of terror, not this time. Um, but, uh, Actually, we should though. We should. Yeah. Yeah. I'll find a way. Well, I, I have a, I have a slightly different interpretation of, of kind of, kind of, uh, ounce of treatment, kind of treat. Tell me. Um, which I think will speak to it. Yeah, yeah. So you, I think you're you're talking about specifically about, um, you know, eat your vegetables so you can have your dessert. Um, but for me, it's all about the story as well. Um, in terms of, you need to provide your audience with the exposition that it needs in like in an itty bitty amount of time. And that way they can just enjoy the fun of the moment, which is why I think Tower of Terror <laughs> succeeds in this because the exposition is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Here's four, five characters. They are they are generic Hollywood tropes. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know anything else about them. They disappeared. And now you're gonna do it too. That's it. That's the whole story. We we can't we hit this in, in, in other commandments as well. But Mind of Lost Souls, on the other hand, which we talked about last time, my god, there's an entire placard like like a poster of exposition which is utterly pointless and then as we always talk about with mind of lost souls it's like the story could just be going through a haunted mine and that would have been good enough but no now we're in egypt now we're in hell for some reason yeah like 
it's just this exposition is it's piling on and and we i could get back into because we've done the the um rise of the resistance versus flight of passage but it's the same thing rise of the resistance is all exposition flight of passage there is none you're on a banshee have fun flight of passage is like the perfect example of this of mm -hmm. this commandment done well yeah it's i think it, it it's it was very difficult for me to think about this commandment because i i've heard your explanation of that and it's it was hard for me to pick things to talk about because of the fact that it was like some things are very clear here's exactly what you said that eat your vegetables and here's your your prize at the end or bottom of the cereal cereal bag like but there's also some like you mentioned a flight of passage where it's like it's hard for me to think about it in the context of this commandment because it feel there's no fight to get the treat yeah you know what i mean so anyway okay. um well like okay so okay i'm gonna talk about a ride that we've never talked about on this show before can't wait and yeah yeah and and it's gonna be at a park that we only talk about sometimes so the park is Knott's Berry Farm, and the ride, I'm trying to remember what it's called, uh, Voyage, to the, Voyage to the Iron Reef. So, my dear listeners, fear not, you will never get the experience of riding this ride because it's going away. I'm pretty sure it closed before the pandemic shut down Knott's. So, um, Voyage to the Iron Reef opened in 15, I think. And it is, it's, it's a, a, a target range ride. And the story is that you are getting onto this submarine and you're gonna go down and I don't know what the story is after that. Because the problem with this ride is that your ounce of treatment is not an ounce. It's a ton of treatment because you're in a very, very long queue with a bunch of screens all over the place and the screens are telling this the, the story of this fisherman who was like, I think he, honestly, I don't know, because the volume was very low and it was always impossible. I can't tell you what the actual story of that ride was. It had something to do with a fisherman who went out to sea and was, I think, maybe attacked by a monster and then made it back to the ocean and has grabbed you to uh bring you because you're i don't know monster hunters or something and take you out and then you end up going quote underwater in this projection based target range ride which um think of it like toy story midway mania except you're using real guns and it's 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 not it's not fun and by by that i mean like toy story midway mania is a a jovial event where you go from right from game to game to game this is you're underwater being attacked to send your ship. Now, the, the thing that sticks out in my mind the most is I believe in the queue at some point, the fisherman who is kind of your narrator says to you, um, I was out at this one particular point in sea and that was where I saw the monster. I'm paraphrasing because again, it was impossible to know what the story was. The first thing that happens, you get onto the ride, you're loaded into your little car, the car pushes into like the antechamber, the first room, it turns you towards a boiler. You look at the boiler and the fisherman who 
becomes your your narrator that Tom Ryan says, here, this is where it happened. And you're looking at the boiler. You're like, why am I looking at a boiler? What happened here? <laughs> and like, did a monster invade in the boiler room? Why is there a boiler? Well, didn't you say you were at sea? And like, after I wrote it enough times, I was like, oh, he's not referring to the boiler. He's just like, the ship that we're magically on is located in the spot where I last saw the monster. And then you launch into this giant, it's a mess. It's just a mess. (laughs) And that's the problem is that all they needed to say was, all they needed to say was, there's been, uh, there's been monsters seen in the ocean here. You're going to, we've called you in because we know you're an expert monster hunter. Yeah. Go underwater. And here's your fisherman friend. Not only a great, throat lozenger, but also um, a person who is going to be a character. Like, the character on his own is fine. Like, a gruff fisherman who's going to take underwater? So in their story. Because I know there was, I think Atlantis got involved at some point. There was a lot of story that had zero payoff. We are going to talk about Atlantis. Oh my god. Um, (laughs) Because speaking of rides that Atlantis is involved and I have no idea what's going on. There are three different versions of a ride called Journey into Atlantis and they are all very different. But before we get okay. too far into this episode, let's talk about the mouse car in the goof. Um, so the book that we referenced to, to know these 10 commandments, I mean, Shay just knows them because he's a smarty pants, but um, it's almost like you went to school for this. Um, but yeah. there is the book called One Little Spark by the late and great Marty Scalar, where he explains the Ten Commandments and what they mean, because he kind of curated these design rules for Imagineering. Um, and back in the day when Walt Disney thought you did an exemplary job, he came up with the award of the mouse car, which is um, doing a great job in your field or for with a certain project. Um, and Scalar uses the mouse car as, as a means of giving the best example of this these commandments so the mouse car in this case he uses it as he uses it's a small world as the best example of tiny bit of treatment lots of treat um with the lesson that is presented in it's a small world is and i quote a smile means friendship to everyone of just it's a small world. We all have ways to communicate with each other and you have more in common with somebody than you think you do. Just because you are different doesn't mean you don't have a lot in common. Um, and in, within the book, he says, what, what greater family fun lesson is, is it's a small world. But he also explains that it's a small world was kind of the precursor to the concept of Epcot or at least Epcot's world showcase of bringing many people of many different cultural um, experiences and diversity together to create this small world. Literal small world is what Epcot is. Um, And he talks about how he was able to, um, like Marty Sklar was originally hired as a writer for the show TV show Disneyland. Um, and he says in this book that he was more or less 
the ghostwriter under Walt Disney's signature for a long time. A lot of times when, when Disney was saying things or when he would write out like releases and it would be Disney's name, it was actually Sklar writing these things for him. Um, and so in their, their outside their placard for um, It's a Small World at the World's Fair when it debuted, because it debuted at the World's Fair, he said, now we've created another Magic Kingdom with its world premiere at this New York World's Fair. In theme and its festive spirit, we have tried to make this new, quote, land the happiest of places, a Magic Kingdom of all the world's children. We call this adventure It's a Small World. All of us who participated in its creation hope that you your ride through our small world is as is a memorable experience for you and your family. Now there's two tropes with Disney rides of like the first baby's ride, like baby's first ride. And it's like small world and Dumbo. You can take a child of any age on both of those rides and they will be fine. <laughs> I think taking a baby on It's a Small World is a bad idea because if that baby gets upset in the middle of that ride, it's a really long ride. But um, I don't know. Do you agree that Small World is the best use of this ride? I mean, like, obviously, Flight of Passage wasn't a thing yet. but And you used Flight of Passage as an example earlier. But it was definitely not the first one I thought of. Or it was kind of surprising to me, I guess. Yeah, I think... Um, I, I feel like, you know, but Small World is sort of like um, uh, an ounce of treatment and a lot of treats, and Flight of Passage is um, a gallon of treatment and a metric fuck ton of treats. Um, because uh, I don't think Flight of Passage is just like 10 times as fun as, as Small World, but um, we want to look at at small world on its own. Yeah, because um, both looking at it from your point of view, it teaches a very important lesson, which is everybody is the same at heart, and it also delivers that lesson in a very easily digestible, um, annoying morsel. way. <laughs> because it's got a it's got a whole bunch of bright colors. It's got a lot of things to look at, but honestly, I would. I don't know what, I know that they're talking about changing around a few things for the 50th, but like, I feel like they just need to turn that whole ride up to 11. Like there needs to be children everywhere. There needs to be colored streamers everywhere. Like go and watch a video of Small World Holiday at Disneyland. It is just a complete assault of the senses because everywhere there's lights and decorations. There is no blank wall in that ride. Whereas, and it's, it's almost disappointing to go and ride one of the other Small Worlds after that because of how scaled back it feels now. Um, but that's, but that is then speaking to, to, to my interpretation of this, of this rule, um, it's the same thing where the story of, of Small World is very simple. You are a world traveler and this is your journey around the world. That's all you need to know. And you just happen to be journeying around the world where at, on a day when we all decided to pick the same song, and I think, in a way, um, in a way, it like it combines our it combines our our definitions of this rule together in a very poetic way because I feel like if you come into Small World just wanting a catchy song and bright friendly colors, that's going to succeed. 
but then you also might just learn something. And hopefully the thing that you learn is we're all the same. Whereas flight of passage, I don't know if there's like, sort of, I don't know if there's a, you know, ethical moral lesson to be learned there um, in, in the way that there is in, in small world. Yeah. I love small world. People can get sick of it, but I love small world. Um, it's a small world does, it, it hits the nostalgia chord of like, if you went to Disney when you were younger than five, it's like, that is a very specific memory you have every time. So like, I don't know. It, as an adult, I still go on it on my own. Like, like I, I would be like, oh, Small World's line's only 10 minutes. Hell yeah, here I go, Small World. You know? <laughs> this might be a hot take, but I think Small World is more exciting than the back half of Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I, I have this running bit that Pirates of the Caribbean is my secret favorite ride of like if you ask me to go on Pirates I will always say yes but I get halfway through that ride and then I go this ride's really boring because <laughs> it is I don't know Pirates is a classic but it's pretty freaking boring if you actually think about like if you actually experience it so moving on to the goof which is an um, is a made-up award that Marty Sklar decides to bring into this book of like this is the maybe you didn't do such a great job and this one's funny and interesting because it's not about an attraction it's about removing an attraction was a mistake to this rule so he talks about how the disneyland's removal of the monsanto house of the future in tomorrowland was like a huge mistake for the idea of ounce of treat treatment ton of treat um, because like this, the idea of this house was to show the use of plastics in architecture, architecture. Yeah. Um, and it opened, I want to say in 1957 and it closed in 1969. Um, which at that time, plastic wasn't a thing that we used in everything. And we were trying to stop using plastic was cool. Um, but this house was a joint effort between Monsanto, MIT, and Disney Imagineering is a really cool design. It was also probably the most futuristic building in Tomorrowland. Um, and the Monsanto House of the Future featured the design of what was supposed to be 1986 with a microwave oven, an ultrasonic dishwasher, cold zones, which were supposed to replace refrigerators and freezers, and dimmable ceiling lights. Um, and Sklar argues that part of the legacy of the removal is that it's largely still there because <laughs> they, did, <laughs> they, the way that this built, this building was built was that the top part of like the actual house part was fabricated from plastic, but the base was still concrete and it was too much of a problem to move. So it's just like tucked over there where I think it's where Pixie Hollow is, like hidden there. Yeah, that's right what there. I thought. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. I mean, like at the time it was really cool and it led to like Epcot's like interventions and, and whatever, all the cool stuff that was going on at Epcot. But like we know, especially now with Epcot and its state, like you can't race time. You can't do it. Yeah. You won't win. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I 
low-key wish that I knew about this before like I think I discovered the Monsanto house of the future like within the last year and it was just one of those things of like what was Walt Disney doing with his life with Disneyland because there were so many weird things at Disneyland of just like like Scar even talks about it in this chapter of like the Wizard of Bras was there I don't know why it was a bad idea but you know what this one was a good one I mean, I think he was just, he needed money. And he was a man who was really good at, at trading, trading marketing opportunities for money. I think that that's why, Mon, why this was built, because Monsanto was willing to throw a bunch of money at it to advertise themselves. I mean, that's probably one of the reasons why Carousel of Progress has still been around for so long, because GE continues to, to sponsor it. Um, and I... I feel like between Monsanto and between the House of the Future and Interventions and Tomorrowland, Disney keeps trying this thing of the future. And and it keeps, as you say, they keep hitting the wall. I, I, I feel like Monsanto's House of the Future should have been the thing that they kept because it is a small space and like the House of Presidents, they can shut it down every four years, update this very small space, be like, this is the technology that we're looking at that's 15 years into the future, and then reopen it every few years, be like, this is what we got now. Instead of, I think that that's the biggest problem is that intervention is the size huge. of a land, or it used to be any of those two exhibit halls. And Tomorrowland, oh yeah. And Tomorrowland was, was equally gigantic, is, was both. Um, and I think that, I think that he's right that, this was like their opportunity to serve that serve that function, that, that, that thesis statement that Interventions and Tomorrowland wanted to have, but do it in a in a very approachable, very updatable space because of because it was just an ounce of treatment, whereas Interventions is a ton of treatment. Yeah. And and that's why I think Epcot there were a lot of a lot of times you the stereotype growing up was Epcot you appreciated Epcot as you got older Epcot was the adult park Epcot was the teenager adult park of like you started to appreciate the cool like if you're an adult you got world showcase you can drink if you're a kid you got uh, OG test track was a, a killer ride you had OG test track you had I mean, Soren debuted early enough in my childhood that it was a part of the childhood. Um, but like Mission Space, like energy, Ellen's Energy Adventure, it was like the learning part. I remember we were talking about it um, in last week's episode, how we were talking about ImageWorks and how both Ben and I were like, if ImageWorks, the way it existed with the original Journey into Imagination ride still existed today, I would have stayed there for hours as a child and then I was like did you ever go into the wonders of life pavilion because I do remember spending a lot of time playing all those games and going through all of the the playground parts of the wonders of life pavilion like it's just I know that like now as we all get like elevated Disney fans or like no we know like what technology can do and all these things it just seems so wild to me that like these interactive kind of like playgrounds aren't really a thing anymore (laughs) 
which they are there's supposed to be a play pavilion at epcot who knows what the hell's happening with that at this point but like it was going at wonders of life and i was like this is this is kismet to me because that's the time that's where i spent most (laughs) of my time as a child um i would love to see the play pavilion looked really cool so like i really hope that epcot gets at least 90 percent of what was gonna happen but epcot but yeah i just interventions was one of my favorite places in epcot because i i was the kid who like you and like most of our friends was curious and wanted to learn and wanted to see the cool the cool shit but like i was devastated when interventions was closed but monsanto house of the future you're right it's just this small little space that they could have actually updated and kept kept clean and new and they didn't sad sklar is right so we get to a point which we every week it seems to be a different form but this one i believe is the og which is like the good and the not so good um and i mentioned this earlier and i want to kind of jump around through this a little bit um and we'll hit things that we want to talk about but the first ride that i think does not provide enough treat for the amount of treatment that it has is living with the land don't get me wrong i love living with the land i think it's a fun ride i like to learn and i think it's very cool because the greenhouses are really cool it's an astounding thing that they're doing in there but what fun is that ride none (laughs) there is nothing there's there's nothing exciting they used to have the live narrator that was fun because they could at least be engaging on the boat but now that it's all pre-recorded it's like all right cool there's plants over there maybe there's a scientist (laughs) in the lab probably not though i don't know it's a couple hidden mickeys maybe there's a snowman if it's winter time what's what is exciting about living with the land you like (laughs) nothing like the, I think the first the first half is all is does a really good job of balancing um, treatment and treat because the first half has a very nice soothing um, voiceover of like mankind has been around for a long time and then we invented agriculture and this yep. is why we're cool and here's all the pretty things to look at um, but uh, then but then you're right once once we hit the the greenhouse suddenly it's look at our plants look at our plant plants look at this other plant this, cool. this one's shaped like mickey this one's also shaped like mickey <laughs> isn't that cool look at all the tomatoes there's so many there's a fish next to the fish that is shaped like mickey <laughs> like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's great but it's not it's not this commandment it doesn't hit it right (laughs) although i will say if you do like living with the land i would a hundred percent recommend the the behind the seeds tour it's also a fairly affordable backstage tour it's only like 25 30 dollars it's a good time (laughs) it's fun yeah i've never done it my parents have a lot of good things about it Mm -hmm. um yeah 
Well, <laughs> I kind of want to immediately segue into Hershey's Chocolate World because it feels like it's the almost exact same ride, but with chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is. I, I'm all, I, always, I always have flashbacks to Hershey's Chocolate World whenever I, I ride living with the lamp. Because you guys got to understand, when I was a kid, two, three, four times a year thing for me because we had friends who lived in Allentown and we would go down and visit them several times a year and we would always go to Hershey's Chocolate World. We would always ride the factory tour. And the difference between Hershey's Chocolate World and Living with the Land is that I think Hershey's Chocolate World has the benefit of being very specific story. It is the story of how chocolate bars are made. Whereas Living with the Land needs to be the story of agriculture is always evolving and we do science here sometimes. So they can't, they can't give you a beginning, middle, and end because there is no end to their story. Whereas Hershey's Chocolate World, beginning is chocolate beans in South America, ending is chocolate bar, which you are literally allowed to eat. Um, so they have that advantage. But the challenge that they are faced, which they continue to, to innovate and meet with just amazing results, is that because they have such a specific story, because there are such specific steps to this making is that they do have a ton of exposition they need to fork over. Um, they don't need to go really in depth, you know, giving you like exact measurements and everything. They're like, we add milk here. We add sugar here. Now we mix it. Now we heat it. Now we do this. Like there is a list of things they need to hit, but they have cows. Hershey's Chocolate World has cows. And the cows have evolved over the years to have gone from like a one-off joke to nowadays they're the hosts. There are these three cows that have a, a jingle that they sing and they're the ones that like give you treatment for the kids is that the kids always have these like cute little cows that they can look at almost any time in the ride where it's like, oh, okay, we're going to talk about heating up the oh, cows. But there's, there's, there's a, a song that the cows sing, which is different from that. Because it's like a vaguely soul, it's, it's a catchy jingle. The Hershey's Chocolate World song, no matter how near, no matter how far, you're always near a Hershey's bar. It's still there, but but it's a, it's it's almost it lives sort of alongside this other song that they have now. Um, but it's just it's omnipresent. The, these cows are everywhere, and they use the music and they use the cows, and frankly, they use really compelling imagery like. I don't know if they still use those giant fork things to actually stir the chocolate, but anyone who has been on that ride knows exactly what I'm talking about right mm -hmm. now because of how cool the images of stuff that is not chocolate, but an actual prop in front of you that is stirring through some sort of dark brown liquid over and over again. And, you know, a lot of these, like, like Voyage of the Iron Reef, for instance, which just relies on screens and They've added projection effects, but they haven't gotten rid of these practical visuals that are still super cool to look at. Yeah, I, I so let, let me even like add to your point for Hershey's Chocolate World. I haven't been to Hershey's Chocolate World since I was four years old. And every single thing you've said, I'm like, yep, yep. I was there, it <laughs> happened, and I yeah. remember. <laughs> like, I remember, I mean, we went on the ride because it's free, or at least it was. Um, 
I went on that ride probably seven times because we were children and we just were like, can we go on the chocolate ride? I like the chocolate ride, but it just, it, Hershey's chocolate world does living with the land so much better. Yeah, no, it really is. And like, so you you may not be aware, but Hershey's chocolate world has a, um, a refresh uh, every 10 years, pretty much. So the rides, I mean, it's changed three times since I started riding it. It's probably changed at least two times. Since probably, because like I am 24 now. <laughs> pretty, yeah, I mean, every refresh is, is pretty substantial. Um, where again, all the big practical things stay there, but all the stuff around them change a lot and they, they update the music and they update the lights and everything. Like it's, it's, a, it's not a small change. Yeah, I am overdue for Hershey's Park, like by years, maybe a decade of like going back to Hershey Park. And I was talking about how I want to do this summer if things are safe to go on like this this tour. And I said, I would be willing to spend a couple couple weeks in just like the Pennsylvania, New York circuit of amusement parks. And my dad was like, are you gonna go to Sesame Place? And I was like, dad, I went to Santa's Village with two other adults. Of course I'm going to Sesame Place. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, of course we are. Uh, speaking of, I hope everybody wished Elmo a happy birthday last week because that was last week, all right? We talked about it on last week's podcast. You better have wished him a happy birthday. That's all I'm going to say. So I think a very good example of a little bit of treat treatment and a ton of treat was the old studios model of theme park. Like the the classic MGM studios, the classic mm. Universal Studios of the whole like we're gonna teach you how to make a movie, and then you're gonna go ride the movie. Let's go. And I thought that was the best <laughs> model of the studios park, and I'm real upset that it's gone. <laughs> That's all I really have to say. You, you say that, and I'm I'm thinking about um, the, the the Universal Studio tour. Um, which you haven't been on, but um, I almost think that it's it's too far in the other direction because it's a lot of just driving around on a tram and looking at sets. Now, they do drive you through the thing that you know of as um, Kong Skull Island or, or, or King Kong. What, what is it called? It's Universal Reign Island? of Kong. It's Skull Island Reign of Kong. Reign of Kong. Yeah, and then they also drive you through the thing that you know of now as supercharged. supercharged. Um, and My then there's a few other enemy. things here and there, like you get to go, yeah, you get to like you drive through Amity Island, you get attacked by by a shark. But there is there is just a ton of exposition that they have to give because you do spend a lot of time getting from one place to another. So it is amusing. There are fun parts, but I don't. I think you talk to anyone who's ridden it and you'd be like, were you entertained that entire ride? And they're going to tell you no. Because there's, there's, it's like a half hour, 45 minute thing. And you spend at least 10 or 15 minutes of that being like, well, I guess, is it Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, Jimmy Fallon is, is the like digital host. And he's like, well, okay. I guess he's going to make another joke. Um, and it's just not that interesting. So yeah, I think they, they, they do, they lean too hard on their, on their, and not enough treats which 
to be fair, I think it's because nowadays, as you point out a lot, movie magic isn't real for us because we're like, we've seen this. None of this is interesting anymore. Whereas 40 years ago when they built the thing, just being on a movie studio was like the coolest thing ever. Like, oh, I might recognize that and that and that. Whereas nowadays, it's just exposition because we hear it all the time. And and that's the thing. I think I'm not even talking about specifically the studio tour of the studio model of a park. I'm just talking about, like, I think the the, the first attraction that came to my head was Twister at Orlando and how Twister was and I've said this before of like I don't think Universal gets enough credit for their queue lines <laughs> but because Twister you walk in and you're in the house that is dilapidated and is destroyed and you get the pre-show from uh what's her name from the movie and then you go into this standing presentation of wind it's just wind they're just showing you the effects of a tornado and how they achieved those effects in the movie and if you like to this day not even nostalgia factor to this day if you gave me a twister again i would be like oh hell yeah this is a cool attraction and like especially with it was replaced with jimmy fallon and jimmy fallon is like it's an okay ride but it's just a giant simulator it's even worse than a simulator because it's a theater simulator there's a hundred people in that room with one giant screen it's not interesting and it's i don't know it's the old like mgm studios of like we're gonna like i mean indiana jones stunt show i think is also a thing of like does a good balance of that like treatment versus treat of like even when they're moving the sets you're not paying attention to the fact that there are two big rigs moving that stage while that's happening because they're doing something interesting in front of you. Like I, I know that every single time I watch that show, all of a sudden I like blink and I'm like, whoa, where did that go? <laughs> it, I guess Indiana Jones, I didn't even think about it beforehand, but Indiana Jones is a great example. Yeah. No, that's really good. Really good point. Um, I think it's cool about the Indiana Jones treatment is that they are theoretically giving you a behind-the-scenes look, although really it's a behind-the-scenes look at theater stunts, not at movie stunts. Yes. Um, but, you know, you say you didn't even notice the bigger moving it, but for me, that's one of the coolest things is to watch these giant trucks move a set that's like 100 feet tall just off to the side casually. So their treatment is, is not something that we see every day, and that's what's really cool. So their treatment is a treat. Yeah. And I think overall, if you're not paying attention, if you're paying attention to Indiana Jones Spectacular, it's just, there's something to look at, which is if you're a little nerd or if you're just there to watch the show, you're having a great time. And so actually Indiana Jones is a great example of it. And I'd never even, never even thought about both Indiana Jones. The ride is also great. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The ride gives you all the exposition you need in that, that waiting and it's like a 30 second video and honestly i didn't even pick up all the exposition in the in the ride until i was in my 20s and even then you didn't i was like oh there's three different chambers i didn't understand that that didn't make the ride any any less cool and that's the thing that you mentioned earlier with small world versus flight of passage is that you also can get away with less treatment 
or less, more treatment even with a more exciting ride. Because mm-hmm. as long as it's at that like outweighing cost of like, we go through two pre-show rooms in Flight of Passage. It yeah. takes two five-minute videos <laughs> to get to the <laughs> ride. Plus the three-hour line you just waited in, which I did COVID aside. You were still waiting probably on a good day about two hours for that ride. So you did go through three hours of treatment to get to your five minutes of treat. But because the ride is so cool, it's like worth it. Yep. So worth it. Like there's been a couple of days when I was living down there that I was like 70 minutes, I got nothing better to do. I'll wait in this line (laughs) because the line is also cool, which is a thing that like, here we are on Q to Q and we're here we are talking about Q lines, which was the whole purpose of this podcast was to talk about Qs. But that is truly a very important thing, I think, in in that makes the difference between an amusement park and a theme park. And that's why this this commandment is important. It's important because an amusement park will put you in uh what's it called? The zigzag. Slalom. The slalom. I don't actually know what yeah so the amusement park will put you in the back and forth for an hour and then you go on your 30 second ride and you're done and it's fun amusement parks are fun but the difference between the amusement park and the theme park is that the theme park will give you something to look at and while you're waiting while you're getting your treatment will give you a treat while you're there and i think this commandment is the difference between theme parks and amusement parks, truly. Um, which brings me to my next point of Peter Pan's flight. Peter Pan's, Peter Pan's flight, to me, as a ride, is not one of the greatest rides in the whole wide world. But when I, when I rewrote it in past years and I was sitting through the standby, I was like, never mind, this queue is worth it. Because <laughs> the Peter Pan's flight queue, at least in Walt Disney World, I haven't been on the one in Disneyland, The one in Walt Disney World is spectacular. It's interactive. Even still, I think with COVID, it could be because you don't touch anything. It's all shadows. Mm -hmm. So it's an interactive queue line. It tells, like, you're literally walking through the Darling's house. And then when you load that ride, you're going through the window. And that's exactly where you ended up in the queue. It's just, it's brilliant. I don't know who designed Peter Pan's flight queue. Brilliant. His name's Max. Nice guy. Thank you, Max. Uh, yep. Uh, I figured you would, so that's why I wanted to know because he deserves credit. Yeah, no, he's great. He's a he's a creative director for Imagineering. He's working on a, a ride that may or may not be amazing at some point. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, no, I love the cues. He's great. That's a, I have nothing to add to it. <laughs> I don't think the ride is spectacular. I will if if people are visiting me and the line is like a half hour for Peter Pan's flight, we'll usually get in line, look at the queue, I'll be like, cool, you good? You saw that? We're gonna go ride the Haunted Mansion now. We won't even we won't even ride the ride because the queue is better. The ride is kind of creepy. The, and the yeah. lights, it's a very, it sounds, is, does it sound mean to say it's a primitive ride? No, like it, it shows its age kind of yeah. poorly. <laughs> they So back in, in 15, they gave the Disneyland version a refresh. The queue, the queue at Disneyland is nothing. It's, it's, it's just a bunch of slalom. But 
The ride itself has a bunch of projection mapping effects. They redid the lights. Uh, they, there are no animatronics. They're still all just 3D sandy figures. Um, but they still, just everything looks and sounds because they replaced all the sound systems just better. And that's like, that's what Peter Pan's Flight at Disney World needs. Really, it's just like shut her down for a week, repaint everything, replace the sound system. That would improve it by 50%. But the thing is, is they won't because it's such a people eater. Because (laughs) I've never, I've almost never seen that line shorter than 45 minutes. No. And it's insane to me because there are so many better rides. Like, I'd rather go on Winnie the Pooh than Peter Pan's Flight. I think Winnie the Pooh is a more enjoyable ride. I don't know. I don't know. Peter Pan's Flight, man. I don't know what people love it so much. I also never really cared about Peter Pan. Also, Peter Pan is a problematic Disney movie. So... Yeah. Yeah. We talked last week about Journey into Imagination. And I made it very clear that uh, I'm sad, and we already talked about it this week, of like very saddened to see it go. And I think Journey into Imagination is a perfect example of like, what were you thinking with changing this ride? Because you mentioned, probably came down to budget, which it did, like I mentioned of like Kodak didn't have enough money to fix it. So they made it shorter and, and called it a time. If you watch Journey into Your Imagination versus Journey into Imagination, the sets are identical. They just changed the ideas around them. Um, there's a couple different sets that were changed out due to the story because the second iteration was, it had like the illusion lab, the gravity lab, the... Uh, the sound there was a sound lab in the original one too but it's just the original journey into imagination had and we talked about it last week the song one little spark is three and a half minutes of exposition introducing you to these two characters and baxter again we talked about it last week but i'm gonna i'll reiterate baxter says that you had to have that scene because those are two characters no one knew (laughs) nobody cared about who figment and dreamfinder were because they were brand new original characters for this ride so the three minutes of the song one little spark which is a catchy tune that three minutes tells you the story of them the rest of the ride just shows you cool stuff this is a little candy it's candy the rest of the ride of just these cool images the cool lighting effects they were insane for the time like the projection room in the science part of journey into imagination was well before its time it was it was wonderful and then they were like hey what if imagination was science though what if it was (laughs) science because it is but like you don't think about but what if it was science and it was just like i don't want to learn about science while i'm supposed to be learning about my imagination even now the imagination institute oh god yeah it's just (sighs) the reason why journey to imagination keeps getting brought up is because uh i don't know shay if you follow i don't know if you're on twitter but uh somebody tweeted at eric idol with a picture of figment Yeah, yeah okay everybody's caught up um but 
Dr. Channing is, even in Honey, I Shrunk the Audience was not personable and I didn't want to hang out with Dr. Channing. So like, it's just a very odd choice because you had this jovial Santa Claus looking guy with his little pet dragon telling me about my imagination on this little vacuum cleaner blimp thing. <laughs> and now we're sciencing. Yeah. It's just turning into imagination. I'm on a kick, but I'm sad about it. I love Figment. I love that ride. I'll go on it every time. It's the ride I know, really. I think, I don't think I ever, first time I went to Disney was in 2000. So maybe I rode Journey into your imagination. I probably did because I know that my mom and my aunt are very upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember both of them telling me that that ride was awful, but I don't remember it. But the Figment right now is the one I remembered. Did you ever get to go on the original? I'm, I'm with you where I think my first visit to Disney World ever was in the time period that it was operating as journey into your imagination. And I do have some memories of the ride slightly different than how it is now, but I don't remember it exactly. But I think I probably wrote it once. Yeah, I am. Um sad i know that we have i grew up loving figment because my family was the family that would watch home videos all the time and my sister's first disney trip was in 1995 when she was a year old so mm -hmm. they have like it's the equivalent of a, a pov ride of journey into imagination that my family went on so we used to watch it on repeat so i i knew and I know the entire synopsis and like flow of that ride because of this video. I like to call those fabricated memories. <laughs> um, what do you want to talk about on this list? I don't know. We, we were saying this would either be a long episode or a short one and it's, it's long so far. It always uh, is. Right. I'll, 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 I'll hit real quick on the good. Finding Nemo, yes, you're right, great. The uh, the ride, you get to hang out with, with your favorite characters and you see some fish. If anything, I think it needs more treatment um, because it, it has a lot of treats, but you're just like looking at fish. I'm like, what if I want to know about the fish? Um, test track, both versions, you're right. I think the first one did a better job with its treatment. Um, I think everybody agrees that the treat can, is better on the first one as well. Can you elaborate on that? Because I don't know my opinion on it, so I want to know yours. <laughs> well, so the, the first one had a very firm story, which is you are about to go through a testing set. Like, you are about to go into a testing environment, not a digital testing environment, an actual testing environment. You are a crash test dummy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and we're going to tell you why it's important that these things get tested on cars. Great. And then throughout the ride, they would tell you why it's important, whereas the current version kind of takes it for granted. They're just like, we're going to test how efficient it is. We're not going to tell you why it's important that it's efficient. We're just going to test that it is efficient. We're going to test that it does have good handling. And they don't, they don't, they don't take the time to tell you why it matters. They're just like, we're going to do this now. Um, that's test track. Uh, wait, wait. Test, like, I need you to wait. tell me which one you like better. Um, I, I, I have a hard time answering that because I believe I only rode the original one once um, in one of my first visits. 
whereas the current one is the one that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know because there there are lots of issues with the current one because there are just there are technical glitches that I don't know how they made it to 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 see the light of day, and I don't know why they haven't been fixed yet. That's what bothers me. <laughs> very basic, like why is the scoreboard not showing up right now? That is a very basic function of this ride. I want to see if my design did better than everyone else in my car. That is the thing that has me invested. That is the competition. That's why the point not? of this new pre-show. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do. I, I like the pre-show though. I really like the idea of designing your own car. That's cool. Yes, that is very cool. I I also have a hard time picking a favorite for Test Track because I think Test Track is a good example of a ride that evolved correctly. I like I think as much as I loved the crash test dummy thing, seeing all the cars in the lab of like the queue line was fun for the original test track of like, you would see all these dummies getting like shot or like thrown <laughs> across the room or like hammered into of like things falling on. It was really fun. And I really liked, I liked all of the tests better in the original cra- in the original test track. But I think the new one is a correct evolution of what the ride is going is supposed to be of like we're moving closer to the balance between power efficiency there's two others handling there's one more doesn't matter um it's the balance between all of the factors that go into making a good vehicle um but you're right (laughs) the whole point of the ride is for me to gloat to my the rest of my family that I made a more powerful car than they than they did, or I made a o- better overall car, so I won every other one. Yeah. Um, and when it doesn't work, it's frustrating <laughs> because I want to know that I'm better than my family. But yeah. Um, okay, interactive cues in general, yeah, they're great. They they get you invested in the thing, and um, I, I I honestly wish that rides like. Thunder Mountain would let you actually enjoy the queue, but it moves so fast. Um, yes. Wait, I want to talk about that. Thunder Mountain has a very invested queue if you actually pay attention to it. It has one of the coolest storylines and backstories to it. But that ride to its, we can celebrate its its efficiency and how quickly yeah. it moves people in and out. Like you don't wait very long in that line, which is great. Um, but to its credit, it moves too fast for you to enjoy the line, which is a damn shame because it's, it's that dual track system that they have going. And it's like, it's not even two different tracks. It's just that they know the timing of the ride in which they can spew rides through, through that thing. It's just great. I think, I think Big Thunder Mountain is an insane ride of like its efficiency is, is top tier yeah. getting you in and out. Same yeah, thing with Tower of Terror. That ride also. <laughs> again, Tower of Terror is the best ride in all of the Disney right. parks. That's We've said it before. We'll say it again. <laughs> I think there's only one episode where we haven't talked about it. And I, I, I'll i figure it out by the end of this episode which one it was. Um, um, now, the counterpoint to interactive cues is actually the uh, my favorite thing in most of the parks, which is um, scavenger hunts. So... Uh, it's actually rather poetic that Sorcerer's of the Magic Kingdom shut down because Sorcerer's of the Magic Kingdom had a huge problem of way too much treatment and not enough treats. 
you just you go up to a thing, you spend three minutes watching a video, and then you hold a card up to get your reward. Not interesting. And I love Pirates Adventure, Journey of the Seven Seas, but there is, I don't know what the plot is for most of them because you can never hear it. Um, because you're supposed to listen to the voiceover of like, oh, you found the clamshell. Now go seek out the mermaid tree. And but all, all all you ever hear or all you ever see is you hear the jingle, you hear that someone is telling you something, you see the symbol that you're supposed to find next, look at it on your map, which is still a very interesting, fun way to spend a couple hours, but you miss all of the treatment because there's so much of it. Um, but these work, we did Living with the Land. I want to hit Journey to Atlantis last because I know nothing about it and I can't wait to hear what you're I'm upset saying. that Ben's not here for this because this is actually a thing he would know about, but that's fine. Cali <laughs> uh, River Rapids, I, I'm assuming he put that on there because like there's not enough treatments because the story is that there are, that pollution is destroying the jungle, um, but it's really hard to get that and you spend so much time just getting hit in the face with water that you lose the story. I think it gets yeah. lost in both directions. I think there's okay. not enough anything of, of yeah. I okay. think, <laughs> I mean, it's a short ride too. It needs to be a little longer. Like my, I remember my cousins who they're, they call their, their home Disney park is California. So we were going on Cali River Rapids. They were like, hell yeah, raft ride, grizzly river run. And we were like one drop, not exciting. Only one person will get wet. It's fine. But the problem I have with Cali River Rapids is like you said, the storyline can either go right over your head or you're too invested and then you don't then you're like this is over that's it that's <laughs> it why are we going down this giant hill like what Cali river rapids probably an insane ride i've just never had a, it it's a ride that i probably haven't been on in a decade wow yeah no it's, it's been a long time since i've been on it too because even when i live down there I was like, do I really want to be wet today? Mm. It gets so wet, and it's always such a long ride. Line. It's on a day when it's worth getting wet, it's way too long. It's either either you get so wet or you don't get wet at all. <laughs> but is it worth the gamble? Not usually. Um, yeah, Cali River um, Rapids. I wish it would do... I don't even... See, I haven't been on it in so long that I don't even know if the queue line does it any justice either. I don't, I don't know, honestly. I don't know, because I know that, like, I mean, Everest is an exciting ride, but Everest also does a damn good queue. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So it's That's like good. all of the, all of Everest is a great, is a great time because it does the, it is another example of a perfect balance of treatment and treat of, like, if you want to be invested in the story, you can be. You don't have to be because there's also just here you are up a hill going into a mountain. There's a Yeti there you go. It, Everest does that weird thing of like, it gives you the option to care, but even if you don't care, it's still great. So I put Supercharged on this list because it's a terrible ride, but uh, I think that the one saving grace for Supercharged is how the cast members have owned the treatment and how the narrators and the live act actors that are just poor crew members that have been put into this position are just like have it memorized and are making fun of it and so they take this really terrible exposition and they make it the cheesiest thing on the planet and it it works the ride is still bad but at least getting into the ride is a laugh a minute 
yeah I remember the first time I wrote it I was like kind of fucking pumped about the fact that I was I was happy to see that disaster had like three pre-shows before you actually hit the ride vehicle so I was happy to see that carry over and mm. and I'll give supercharge a little more credit there too that queue really fun to look at there's so much going on in that queue there's a lot of easter eggs there's fucking cool cars there's a couple different little like like bits here and there that pop up on those screens it's a great time except then you get on the ride vehicle and it's god awful it's terrible and that's the thing about supercharge the concept is not a bad concept it's the execution of that ride entirely it's it's the choice of of literally the choice of vehicle in which they they chose to present it like a couple weeks ago we did back to the future with brian green from theme park this and we were talking about how the originally when they were replacing it the rumors were flying between simpsons and back to the future and while brian said that at the 2006 version of back to the future isn't the one we wanted to cement he said the simulator ride is a better way to go than what's currently there though the correct version of a fast and the furious ride is test track (laughs) yeah yeah which i'm astounded that universal hasn't done a test track i guess that's going to be mario kart right more or less but i don't know what's public and what's not so i will refrain from comments because we're, we're on that project mm. um but yeah. um mario kart appears that it's going to be similar to a test track but yeah um has it is mario kart in japan yeah got it but it hasn't opened yet so is is that opening this week or did it get delayed further? It got delayed. I'm not sure if it's set an actual date. For yeah, it. I know it was supposed to be this Friday or last Friday. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, because they they are actually doing things correctly, but yet there's still you know, or there is still you know issues. But finally, on this episode, we're going to talk about Journey to Atlantis. Now, if you feel like it at some point after this recording, I urge you to watch. There are three versions of a ride called Journey to Atlantis. The first, this is also an interesting fact about these three rides. The first one came to Orlando, then San Diego, then San Antonio. They progressively got worse. So the one in Orlando starts, so all of them have this kind of overarching thing of we're going to Atlantis, there's a bad guy, gotta go. But the first one is a dark ride roller coaster. And that's the idea is it's this boat ride, roller coaster, flume, roller coaster thing. And it's a cool idea for a ride. Now I've only been on the one to my knowledge in San Diego. And I remember going on that ride and you go down the flume first and then you hit the roller coaster. And I remember that ride was really, really cool. Today, I wanted to be reminded of this ride because I thought that it could fit this, this commandment really well. And when I watched the Orlando one, I was like, this isn't what I remember. So I had to go back and watch all of them. So when I watched the Orlando one, Orlando starts as a, as a dark ride of you go through this little thing and you learn the legend of this like the siren calls you to Atlantis and she you see Atlantis and then she is a siren 
so she reveals her true form and now she's this wicked ocean beast teasing you and you go through this flume roller coaster and you have to run away from the evil siren who wants to eat you because as we all know mermaids are cannibals but so that's the uh, that's the storyline they came up with and it's a very fun ride because it's a dark ride flume roller coaster it's all three and it's great then we go to san diego which does this because you hit the roller coaster portions of the Orlando ride first and then you roller coaster into Atlantis and then you flume out of it to escape. So by all accounts, a way better structure than any of the other ones. But then in San Diego, you have this weird like voiceover that's not a mermaid it's like a human that's like, we're going to go to Atlantis. Let's go. And then you go to Atlantis, which is just, which is this cool lift. Like it's not a lift hill. It's like a lift. And then it locks into place. And then you go down your flume. And the flume's the first thing that happens as opposed to in Orlando, which it's the la- one of the last things that happens. So you go down the flume and then you hear like you're in Atlantis, quote unquote, And then you hear like Poseidon or Triton or someone yelling at you, telling you to get out of Atlantis more or less. And then you go up this lift and you go through your roller coaster and then you're done. And that's Orlando or that's San Diego. And it's like, okay, kind of similar, not as fun. I'm confused because you've taken that crucial portion of like dark ride mermaid thing, which was a through line here. Then you go to San Antonio and it's more or less a shoot the shoots. It's a shoot the shoots. You go up, you go over, you go on a turntable, you go backwards, then you go on another one, you go on another turntable, you go down, it's a flume, and then you're done. Why? What? Why? First of all, why did you like get like continue to pull back on the journey to Atlantis idea we would think that it would go take that very good idea and just improve it because I do think the journey to Atlantis in Orlando is a very good ride that could get a little bit more buff like a little bit more structure but they just took that in now it's just to shoot the shoots ride where you go up and you come down and it just it doesn't make any sense. One, why you would name it the same thing when it's not? Because like exactly the prime example of I was going to look up the one in, in San Diego brought me to Orlando thinking it was the same ride and it wasn't. It just, it hurt the fact that SeaWorld stopped. Because again, like I said, Orlando came first and San, San Antonio came last. Orlando opened in like 2002. And then San Diego opened in like 2004 and then San Antonio was in 2007. And it was like, it was the definition of a Bush Gardens adding a ride situation of just like, we want some cool water ride. Here it is. It's just, Bush Gardens is so close to being an actual theme park in my brain. So close, but they're not there. And it's because of this commandment is that they don't care about the treat versus the treatment because you're right it, it is about story it's not about the ride it's a and the quality of of the thrill it's about 
the story. And that's that's it. That's the, that's the the thesis of today's episode of the difference between a theme park and an amusement park is this commandment here. Here we are. Anything else that you need to add? Do you want to add? I said my piece. Mm -hmm. So, like we say every time, if you like this episode, make sure you share the post that you found it on. Go over to Apple Podcasts, rate this episode, review the podcast. Give us a like and a share. Follow us on all of our social medias. We got Facebook, we got at Q2Q on Instagram, at Q underscore two underscore Q and over on Twitter at Q2Q. And like I mentioned at the top of this episode, we have a new episode of Roadside Road Trip out on our YouTube channel. So go check that out. We also have a couple of vlogs with Shay when we went to Santa's Village. So if you like want to hear some more of Shay, head over there and check it out. It's a pretty good time. Um, but with that, I think that's all we got this week. So we will see you guys uh, next week. Bye.